Hello, good morning. Hello. It's lovely to see you all. Oh, hello. Oh, hi guys. Uh, It's lovely to see you all. um, And uh, yeah, lovely to be church family together. Um, For those who don't know me, my name's Alistair. um, And uh, yeah, man, I was a student here and now I'm a student again. And it's just, it's a terrible set of situations. But... um, Oh, all that aside, uh, we're continuing our series in Luke this morning, uh, and we're in chapter 8, uh, verses 1 to 21. And I'll give you a bit of time to flick to that if you've got a physical or digital Bible. So in today's passage, Jesus is at it again. He is teaching and preaching to people about the arrival of the kingdom of God. And he's speaking about it, uh, about in this morning's passage, I'll sum up in just a sentence which also would make a fitting title for anyone taking notes this morning. And it's this. Listen to his voice and do what he says. And if you've been in my home group for the last year, uh, you'll have heard me go on about that quite a lot. Uh, So here we go. When we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which are eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, we see that Jesus spent a whole lot of time preaching about the arrival of the kingdom of God. Our church family, here, has a role to play in advancing his kingdom in this corner of Fife. Today's passage tells us a key key way to do that is to listen to his voice and do what he says. So, what we're talking about this morning is central to who we are as followers of Jesus and central to our calling as builders of his kingdom. So without further ado, I'm going to invite Rebecca up, who's going to kindly read today's passage for us. That's Chapter 8, verses 1 to 21. You can use this. Thanks, Alistair. Luke 8, 1 to 21, New Living Translation. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew up and produced a crop that was hundreds times as much as had been planted. When he said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he replied, 
you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds in the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those of you who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my, my mother and my brothers are all those hear God's word and obey it. Wonderful. Thank you, Rebecca. We're going to approach this morning's passage in four sections. We've got a bit about some of the women who contributed to Jesus' ministry. There's a parable about seeds and its explanation. There's another wee parable about lamps and some bowls. Uh, And then there's something about mothers and brothers. Hopefully, all become a little clearer as we walk through these sections and reflect on what I think the Lord might be wanting to say to us this morning. So let's look at this first section. On first reading, it can seem a bit like a throwaway section. A bit of odd detail that Luke decided to throw in somewhere. But let's not forget, Luke and the other biblical writers have crafted everything that they wrote. It's not insignificant for Luke to recognize the contributions from women. 
At the time Luke was writing, religious leaders, the rabbis, didn't teach women. They only had male disciples. I think Luke uh, is pointing here to how the kingdom of God upends the established way of the world. We should stop what we're doing, lean in, and listen. Because the arrival of Jesus changes everything. When these women encountered Jesus, their whole lives were turned upside down too. When he miraculously healed them and set them free from spiritual oppression. Again, this is Jesus doing the stuff of the kingdom. And he's still doing it today. One of the women I'd like to quickly focus on is Joanna. Luke says she is the wife of the manager of the household of Herod. Now, this Herod is uh, the, the kind of puppet ruler of the region at the time. And he's very much portrayed as a powerful opponent to Jesus, um, having already imprisoned and killed uh, his cousin, uh, John the Baptist. So Joanna may well have been taking a great personal risk in funding and following Jesus. Joanna is later mentioned by Luke, again in chapter 24, as being one of the women who found Jesus' tomb to be empty, and then became one of the first people ever to preach the good news of Jesus having risen from the dead. Some scholars have also suggested that Joanna could be the apostle Junior, who Paul refers to in Romans 16:7 as being outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Now, this may not be the same person, but either way, Joanna, along with Mary and Susanna, mentioned here by Luke, are fantastic examples of people who heard what Jesus had to say and did what he said. Their example also shows us that sometimes following Jesus means taking what could look like or feel like a risk. You know, like when you get that nudge to go over to someone to maybe offer to pray for them or maybe share something you feel like the Lord is saying to you for them, ask a difficult question or just stand up for what's right. I know for me... One of the things that, um, that often gets in me in the way, stops me from doing that, is my social fear of being a nuisance or getting in the way. I'm a little old people pleaser. Whatever it is, choosing to trust God is, in fact, the best thing we can do. And it's a habit we have to train. It, it can feel uncomfortable at first. But as we get used to hearing his voice and choosing to step out and follow what he tells us to do, my experience is, is that it gets a little bit easier. And the more we step out, the more we see and do. So let's move on to the next section, where Jesus tells and explains a parable about scattering seeds. Jesus tells us about four soils on which seed is being scattered. And he says that the seed represents the words of God, and the different soils represent the different kinds of people who hear God's words, but they all respond in different ways. At this point, it might be helpful to say what I'm referring to when I say, hear the word of God, or hear his voice. There are many ways to hear from God, uh, but I'm really talking about, I'm kind of referring to two main ways this morning. First and foremost, we hear God's voice through the Bible. The Bible is the written word of God, and is the best record we've got of who God is, what he does, and what he has to say. We test every other way of hearing from God by the Bible because God is consistent. 
The second is hearing God by the Holy Spirit, which, again, by no means supersedes the Bible. But hearing from the Holy Spirit, often referred to as prophecy or words of knowledge, can often feel like a wee nudge inside to do something or an idea drops in your head that just doesn't feel like it's from you. And this is for everyone. It's not just for a select group or people who call themselves pastors. It's for everyone. Actually, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul tells us to especially seek to hear God from prophecy. Now, that's a very brief and simplistic explanation. But if you'd like to learn more about hearing from God, our home group recently studied a book by Pete Gregg called How to Hear God. Um, A simple guide for normal people. Uh, That's you and me. Um, And I thought it was really good. Um, So uh, I can recommend you that. And also home groups are a great place to learn more about this and practice it and give it a go. So can recommend. Looking at verse 12, we have the first soil. The first soil had not been prepared to receive and grow seeds because it was a path. Not, not paths aren't great for growing seeds, I found. Um, it, represents, it represents a heart that is totally unprepared to receive God's word. What they hear does not take root, and the little that does land is quickly taken away. So when we share the word of God with people, sometimes it will land, sometimes it won't. Often, that isn't up to us. So, let's not be too discouraged when we share Jesus with the people around us and it goes nowhere, or they're disinterested. God is still at work in their lives. Let's entrust them to him. That brings us to the second soil in verse 13. Which again is not great. It's all rocky. So the seeds that land begin to grow, but the roots don't reach beneath the surface, um, so the plants don't last. It's not enough to just hear God's words, for them to like enter our ears or eyes, um, and even be interested or excited by them, and generally be on board. But we must let them sink deep, take root, and transform our hearts and lives. It's like there's more to being a follower of Jesus than just calling ourselves a Christian, right? God's gift of grace, freedom from sin, and offer of eternal life with him, it's totally free. It's not earned, it's certainly not merited, and it's available for any of us to receive. But what follows in response is what Jesus is talking about here. Letting him take root in every part of our lives, in every aspect of who we are. And we were just singing about it this morning. It's a bit like this. We were offered a bookshelf from my friend Tim a few years ago. It was completely free, no strings attached. It was big, which is a pain. Very kind of really lovely. We accepted it gladly. What, what followed, though, was um, what's shown here. We had, to, we, had to, we had to get it in the car. That's a picture of my dad um, in the car. And what you can't see is the bookshelf was so big that he was like driving with like elbows beneath his knees. Um, and I blurred out his face just in case this is criminal so you can't track him down <laughs> um, so you're safe dad if you listen to this um, then we had to move it into the house that's actually us moving out of the house but it, it, move, it, move it into the house and then stack it full of books and look how lovely it looks at Christmas oh the old house um, now if I just left the bookcase where it was it would have still been mine still a bookcase, it's still my bookcase 
But for what purpose? Where do I, where do I, where do I put my, all my books? No, the, the appropriate response to Tim and Laura's generosity was to put it in the car, take it home, and stack it full of books. God's gift of life to us is free and cannot be earned, but the appropriate response to his generosity and the only real way to live in the reality of having received his offer is to offer our whole lives in return. And I've got to tell you, that works out really well for us. It is so much better for us to trust God with our future, our dreams, our security and provision than for us to try and manufacture it from what the world offers us. And it's actually by giving up control of our lives to the God who knows everything, is all-powerful and loves us more than we can fathom, that we actually receive his gift of life and life to the full. So then, let's not be like the rocky soil, only letting the word of God sink surface deep. Let's instead allow the Holy Spirit in to fill and shape our whole lives. Everything. From what we have on the surface to make us look like somewhat put together people, down to what we have buried and hidden. Everything from what we do on a Sunday morning at church to who we are every moment of every day, wherever we are. In verse 14, we have the next soil. Now, this soil is good for the seed to take root. And that's, that's great. It's like a person who's open to the Holy Spirit, filling their whole lives. But, and I felt this was perhaps particularly for some of us this morning, that which the Lord is growing in us can be choked out. It can be choked out by a shifting our focus away from Jesus and towards, as Jesus puts it, the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. And we can become lost again. These three things, cares, riches, and pleasures of this world, really sum up many of Jesus' real concerns for the well-being of his followers. Instead of being consumed by worldly cares, riches, and pleasures, let's focus on the things of God's kingdom and trust Jesus with the stuff of our lives. Let's wholeheartedly pursue goodness, compassion, justice, community, right living, and true worship. And trust God with what we need. Trust that the things he has to say to us, the things he asks us to do, are good and right for us. Focusing on these things, on what God wants for our lives and the world, in the day-to-day decisions and the big-picture decisions of our lives, is part of the calling as followers of Jesus. And it helps us to keep following him in everything. So let's keep our focus towards God's kingdom and trust him to sustain us. And that brings us nicely to the final soil in verse 15, the good soil. This represents a heart that is prepared to receive the word of God by the Holy Spirit. Such a heart is good and honest. It recognizes its needs for Jesus and and that his way is good. A good heart is looking to Jesus and his kingdom. A good heart clings to God's word as wisdom. It can be 
so easy to treat God's word as something we read maybe once a day when we get around to it. And we can often treat words from God shared by others as a nice encouraging thought that we forget as we walk away. Now, if you're like me and not much of a reader, you might also struggle to get yourself to sit down and read the Bible. I have some advice which has hugely helped me. The the Bible was in fact written to be heard. I have absolutely loved listening to the Bible and can thoroughly recommend uh, the Streetlights Audio Bible, which is totally free. Um, bit hip-hoppy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, or, or the Dwell Bible, which is like significantly more chill. Um, uh, honestly, listening to the Bible has been game-changing for me. Uh, and, and for hearing God through others, simply writing it down, if you think it might be God, again, makes a huge difference. I think there's an invitation this morning. If we, if we take seriously, first and foremost, the word of God in the Bible, and then seeking to hear God through the Holy Spirit for ourselves in the day-to-day, and from others, which we test and discern to be from God, even the Bible, then we will grow in maturity and be fruitful. That's key. We listen, developing a close relationship with Jesus, and we grow in maturity. And in time, we will be fruitful. Growing in the Lord usually takes time and faithful patience on our part. Constantly relying on the forgiveness, patience and grace of our God, who loves us more than we can fathom. So, in his good time, we will see change. And we will see fruit if we keep on seeking more of him. And this leads us nicely to our third section with the bowls and lamps. Now, it, it, can be, it can be pretty confusing on first reading, but it actually turns out that this is a metaphor that Jesus seemingly liked to use quite a lot. Um, he used it in multiple circumstances with like different like, twists at the end. So, to consider the context first, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have electricity, you know, of, I guess that's kind of obvious, um, so people used to, to have wheat oil lamps to burn, to produce light for the, for the home. Now, you don't want to waste the oil, so you stick the lamp in, the, in a prominent place in the house so it lights up the whole room, um, so you can see as much as you can. So to, to the people hearing this parable, the idea of putting a lamp under a bowl would just be nonsense. They're like, why, why would you do that? It just makes no sense. You don't have a, a lamp and hide its light. No, by definition, a lamp shines its light, whether it likes it or not. From what I've read, I think what Jesus is saying here is that when you light a lamp, it then shines for all to see. Similarly, who we are on the inside shines through by how we live. What's going on inside us shapes what we do. So in the context of this story, I think Jesus is saying that you'll be able to tell who is like good soil and who is like bad soil, by the choices they make and the way they live their lives. Those who hear him and listen will change the way they live in time, grow in maturity, and be fruitful by the grace of God. And it's to them that the Lord will give more and more. And I'm not talking about worldly treasures, which clearly Jesus just doesn't highly value at all. 
but more of God's kingdom. More wisdom. More moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. More seeing people and places transformed. More fruit of the Spirit and more gifts of the Spirit. It's it's a bit like this. Why can't I run as far as I used to or climb as many mountains? It's no great mystery. It's because I eat a lot of biscuits and do no exercise. (laughs) I'm I'm working on it, all right? (laughs) But I've made many choices over a long period of time about what I'm consuming and what I'm doing with my time. And and that shapes me, literally. uh, And it it affects what my life then looks like. (laughs) In In a similar way, what are we consuming, right? Do we spend more time scrolling than reading the Bible? I know I do. Do I spend more time doing that like unproductive stress thinking about my life than offering it to the Lord in prayer? That's totally me. And then what am I doing with my time? What are we pursuing? Are we seeking power for power's sake, riches for riches' sake, great success in an impressive career to gain respect? I don't think that's the example Jesus sets for us. Are we instead seeking first the kingdom of God? And along the way, perhaps we gain power or riches, but but really what matters to us is seeing more of Jesus in our lives and in the lives of those around us. What or who sits on the throne of our life? What I think the Lord is inviting us all to do this morning is to look at our lives and really consider, are we allowing what God has to say to shape our lives and actions? Who or what are we listening to? And who or what are we following? Because what we listen to and what we do shapes us into who we're becoming and what the story of our life will be. My prayer is that for me and for this community, our whole lives, all our actions, our motives and and, and deepest desires would be utterly from and for Jesus. So what can we put in place to make sure we're orientating our hearts our desires and goals towards Jesus and his kingdom? How well are we making a conscious effort to walk through life with Jesus, actually slowing down to listen to his voice in the day-to-day and then do what he says? If you'd like some resources on that, I can again recommend uh, John Mark Comer's Practice in the Way website. We did it with Michael Home Groups a little bit. There's a screenshot. Isn't it lovely? Um, he's developed some really accessible and practical resources on this um, and how to do some of this stuff. It's, it's worth checking out. Um, I found we did it twice with our micro group. A couple of, we did World of Life or something else. Really, really good. It's worth checking out. I'm going to wrap this up with this very brief final section. Jesus is told that his mother and brothers are waiting for him. And Jesus replies in verse 21... My mothers and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. If we want to have a close relationship with Jesus, to be his family, and have the utter joy to call him brother, then we seek to hear him and get to know his voice 
And when we hear him, we do what he tells us. In fact, you'll see in the following passages that even wind and waves listen to his voice and do what Jesus says. An army of evil spirits hear his voice and do what he says and are cast out. A woman is healed without maybe even to say anything. A dead girl is brought back to life at his command. If it's good enough for them, then maybe by the grace of God, we ought also to listen to his voice and do what he says too. And all this brings us back to the courageous faith exemplified by Mary, Joanna and Susanna at the beginning of the passage. May we go and live up to our calling as followers of Jesus within the abundant grace and forgiveness of our God like those women did 2,000 years ago. I'm going to finish there. Why don't you stand and pray?